Hey guys, welcome back to the yurt. Today we got Robert Rask. And what do you do? I'm a guitar builder. And a luthier. Got, got some pretty nice guitars. What do they call it? Luthier? Uh, I'm a luthier. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's it comes from the French word lute. It's a stringed instrument builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've seen this instrument where they or it's in uh Polar Express. Have okay. you ever seen that movie? I think I did years ago, but I don't remember the movie well enough. Well, he's got like a guitar type thing where he oh a hurdy gurdy the bot yeah that's what called is a, that? that's called a hurdy gurdy. How does that? <laughs> what does it strum the strings that way? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does, and I don't know it well enough to know you know how the thing works. I just see him every once in a while, and you know some of the forums that I'm a part of. Uh, with other luthiers, you'll see every once in a while some guy will build one, and yeah. they look incredibly complex. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a cool. I think it's one of those novelty things that you know that that somebody wants to tackle just so they can do it, so they they can say that they've done it. <laughs> yeah, no, I we listen to a lot of like uh, folk punk music, and you always see these weird instruments come yeah. out of nowhere. You know, yeah, it's, totally. <laughs> um, what? Uh, so, what got you into it? Oh, uh, you know, I've been a lifelong woodworker. I've made all kinds of things. I mean, I started when I was probably eight years old making little projects, of course. You know, they, mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't like what I do today. But just a lifelong woodworker. And I, I've always been fascinated with wood and um, creating things. And so, so uh, that was it. But, but in all reality... I went through some pretty tough times about 16 years ago. Okay. Um, you know, I was married, had two kids, and then kind of found out that all of that came to an abrupt end, oh. you know. <laughs> and I wasn't too happy about that. It, it kind of put me into a funk. And and uh, what was interesting is I'd never played any instruments before that. And so I, I picked up a guitar, went and bought one one day and started learning chords and and as quickly as i learned a few chords and and said oh that a sounds good with this e minor you know uh-huh. i started writing songs and they were horrible okay <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cathartic and healing to be able to get all that emotion that i had locked up inside out yeah. and, and it really I, I really attribute it to saving my life I mean, okay. just fully. Music saved my life. And I'm still not a good musician, okay? But I appreciate music. I understand it. I understand that music has a power that we don't even begin to understand. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're capable of understanding how powerful music is in this lifetime, right? Yeah. And so uh, so I, I fully believe that it saved my life. Well, the second thing that happened is I start looking at this guitar and thinking, geez, this thing's made out of wood. <laughs> how does that work? I wonder if I could build one of these, you know. So I picked up a book and started reading. Um, there's a book that's, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. I can picture the cover in my, it's blue and yellow. And uh, anybody who's listening that is in Luthery uh-huh. would know exactly which book. They kind of refer it to as the, the Bible of Luthery. Okay. So I, I consumed that over and over. And then I started meeting Luthiers and talking and asking questions. And it took me two years to build up the nerve to just say, I think I can do this, you know. Yeah. I want to try it. And so, uh, and I'd been a pretty accomplished woodworker. I mean, I'd built some pretty amazing stuff. But but that was just so intimidating. You know, it was a different type of woodworking than, than anything I had done. And you take, you know, there's so many things about woodworking 
that that have taken me my lifetime to kind of master and learn right mm -hmm. now you're adding a whole nother dimension when you get into the tonal properties and, and sound yeah and, and so that's a whole nother world right for sure like wood matters right oh yeah yeah, yeah. and and more so on an acoustic guitar, because I build acoustics primarily. Uh, okay. In fact, I don't even build electrics yet. I will at some point, I'll add them. But right now, it's all acoustic guitars. And the best way I can describe it is, is that the tone wood that you choose will help to color the sound, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so you get different colors of sound. I mean, you know, you can get um, real good bass and warmth out of like hunter and rosewood okay right whereas if you use maple you're going to get a very bright fast attack almost harsh sounding brightness to it so like a softer wood for um sometimes it has to do with the density of the wood okay but not always huh and so so it's 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 actually kind of a fascinating thing to study and learn you know what is it the, like the grain or what i think all things have a play okay. a factor uh, you know now when you're looking at there's differences between the wood you would use on the back of a guitar versus the top of the guitar the top is your soundboard okay okay and that's where that's the engine that's driving your 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 tone right and so that's the the majority of what you're hearing is coming from that top and when you st strum the strings that top starts to get excited and, and all the vibrations and it starts to just kind of bounce all over the place really and that's kind of where your main source of sound is coming from. On the top, there's only a handful of woods that you would choose to use for the soundboard of your acoustic guitar. Okay. And you do want softer woods. You're not going to use hardwoods typically. Um, but you're going to use like spruce. You're going to use cedar, uh, redwood, um, those types of woods. And there's variants in each of those categories. But you would use those because they have a very high stiffness to weight ratio. Okay. Okay. So, so um, I, I, the thing that comes to my mind is the spruce goose. You remember that plane? Uh-uh. Um, oh, geez. This is like shortly after World War II, Howard Hughes built an airplane, the entire airplane out of spruce, made it a wooden airplane. And he <laughs> did, and it was huge. It was one of the biggest planes at the time that had ever been built. And, and he did it to prove that you could build a, you know, a, a flyable, you know, and it flew uh -huh. it, only for a, a couple hundred yards and only, you know, like 50 yeah. feet off, but it flew, you know, <laughs> but anyway, you know, that's kind of digressing. But the, the idea though, is that stiffness to weight ratio is kind of the key yeah. for your soundboard in particular. So um, when you're doing the, uh, like the middle what are you looking for there? Is that the same as the back or the front, or is there just like a more bendable, pliable? Oh, for, for you're talking for like the rim, the sides. The rim, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I almost always match the back to the sides. Okay. So so even, you know, if you're out looking for um, tone wood and you're, you're going to take on a build or whatever, you would buy a back and sides set. Okay. And it would be like Honduran Rosewood. Um, you know, on the back and the sides, and then you would use whatever. So, so one of my favorite combinations happens to be Honduran rosewood for the back and sides with sinker redwood for the top. Okay. And, and that's one of my favorite combinations. Now, the funny thing is, this is one of the few exceptions. The, this black guitar that the I brought in one? to show you, 
um, we call it Orphan Orange. It's got it's it's all black. It's all um, you know black lacquer. It's beautiful. Um, and then it's got some accents of of quilted maple um, that have been dyed and stabilized in bright blood orange. You know. Uh-huh. Um, and so anyway, I call it Orphan Orange because it has Honduran rosewood sides that uh, I actually kind of overcooked. Okay. <laughs> you know, so you have to heat them up when you bend them. There's different ways to do it. I bend almost everything by hand on a, on a bending iron, a, do you, a hot pipe. Do you cut, do you like uh, laminate it? Are you cutting thin strips oh, it, it's and It's just one solid it? piece. But How thick is it? It's, you're talking um, probably between an eighth and three sixteenths of an inch. Do you you just heat um, it up? No steam press or anything. Well, so so what I do is I have I have a uh, a pipe that okay. I run a heat gun through. That pipe gets to about three hundred and twenty degrees. Then I spray with a water bottle. I just spray water onto the sides, and then as I press the wood up against that pipe, it immediately turns that water to steam, and that kind of softens the fiber. And you just kind of work with it, and you kind of bend it around that pipe it's a pretty cool process and that's how i do most of them but on this particular one i i was trying a a, a different style of bender that uses a heat blanket uh-huh. and i didn't have a temperature regulator so i cooked the wood and it's it's sound i mean it's like structurally fine but it had burn marks all the way through it like like it yeah. blackened it. It's almost like roasted maple, or you know, it was weird. It's, it, it, <laughs> it wasn't going to work for the the customer's guitar, so I yeah. had to replace them. But I had this orphan set of sides that I couldn't use, and I thought, well, I'll do a black guitar. Then the back was something where uh, it's Bolivian rosewood that the I bought a set of that, but the sides didn't have anything close. I, it just the, the color was so off. Okay, and so. I wasn't going to put them together. It would look so horrible, you know, because it would just, it looked like almost two different species. Because the tan one, I mean, those are two different woods, but they match up pretty good. Yes. Well, on the, the top is one wood. That's, that's the, um, um, Sitka spruce for uh-huh. the top, the soundboard, but the sides and the back are both the ancient cowrie. And so they're one. Yeah. So, yeah. So no, typically one... you match the back and the sides. That, uh, that looks really, I've tried using, uh, a st- just like a steam we got like a like a what do they call acetone can and yeah you know put a little hose into it and then put it over a fire and tried steaming it i could never bend wood unless i cut it into strips and sort of like laminate oh, it. oh yeah like, yeah yeah I, i've done, I've done uh, that too the bent lamination apron on a table i know what you're talking yeah about. like I, I mean i'm wasting all this money on mdf and every, i built yeah. a uh rocking chair once and it's like oh, you had to cool. make these big old forms out of yeah MDF totally the price of wood now is like oh it's going through the roof <clears throat> has yeah. that been a big thing with the guitar wood as well yes and no um i mean it is. I mean, I, I'm not really feeling it super. Okay, first off, I guess to answer that question, anytime you stamp tone wood on a piece of lumber, uh-huh. you charge 10 times the amount than, than you would pay somewhere, you know, just for a board. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, fret boards, I mean, they're, they're like two and a quarter wide by 20 inches long, a piece of ebony. And, you know, you're, you're $30, $45, depending on, you Ooh. know. You know, it gets for a quarter inch thick piece of wood. You know? Yeah, and so uh, so you you kind of overpay, uh, but a lot of it has to do with the figure level. 
Yeah. And so, uh, so I buy a lot of my my lumber and then mill it down myself, and that saves quite a bit of money. Well, I know but, even like poplar. I used to use poplar just as yeah. cleats. You know, yeah, cut, yeah, totally. Cut that stuff down. Yeah, and, totally. But now it's like, oh, man. Yeah. This costs a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess I guess the reason why it doesn't affect me too much because these are high end instruments. Yeah. And I mean, the starting price on one of these guitars is fifty eight hundred dollars. Okay. And so if somebody's going to spend the money to buy a six thousand or or more, I mean, I've got one that I'm building is twenty six thousand dollars right now. Okay. And so uh, if somebody's going to spend the money to buy that kind of an instrument, um, you know, you're going to buy the best wood you can get. And, oh yeah. And the for price sure. isn't really the concern at that point, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got one <laughs> most expensive piece of wood I've ever <laughs> worked with. Um, it's called Ancient Sitka. Uh huh. Okay, it's a spruce, and it's three thousand years old. But there's only a few dozen tops at, that it will ever exist of this stuff. It's 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 a log that this guy found, and it just so happens it's so serendipitous. It's so funny because the guy in 2012 was building. His business. He he's the supplier for all the spruce to all the major guitar builders. Okay. Martin Gibson, all those guys. They they buy from him. Well, he was expanding his business, and he and he decides to buy this piece of property, and he takes the backhoe out to go start digging for the footings, and thunk, he hits this big log, and it happens to be this ancient Sitka tree. You know, it was just buried. And it was just buried right there on this <laughs> property, and so so it was from an ancient mudslide or something. So he cuts into it, and it's really cool because you saw the color of this top. It's like uh-huh. this creamy, like whitish, you know, color. Yeah, no, right? it's got like good. Good uh, grain and yeah, like, yeah. The with figure the finish, it, it yeah, looks, it looks amazing. Well, and, and that's kind of the typical color you're going to see spruce, you know, on on just about any guitar. Uh huh. But he cuts into it and he sees that color, and then the oxygen hits it, and right before his eyes, it changes to this bluish gray color. Yeah. Like just he watches it just darken as the as the air hits it. It was so cool. But the stuff sounds amazing because it's got all these minerals that have seeped into it after all these thousands of years. Um, Slash from Guns N' Roses. Yeah. He has an acoustic guitar built with this ancient Sitka. Okay. But we're talking a $6,000 upgrade to use ancient <laughs> Sitka on your guitar top, you know? There's only a few dozen of them. Would so. that be a business? Like, because I don't know if you've ever watched, like, Swamp Loggers. Oh, yeah. Where they had the... yeah. I liked the part where they were taking the logs out of the river, like yes. all those logs that yes, have fallen. Yes, I use those. And yeah. so I need to go look it up. I've heard other people talk about that show. I need to go watch it. But yes, that's exactly uh, the kind of stuff we're talking about. I have another guitar. I almost brought it, but it's made with sinker mahogany. Uh-huh. And it's from Belize um, down in you know Central America. And that stuff, um, it's mahogany, you know, but... It was under a river for 150 years. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, 150 years ago, they'd knock these logs down and then float them down the river to the to the uh, sawmill, uh-huh. and a certain percentage of them would sink. Yeah. Well, the ones that got to the very bottom and then had other logs push them down under the mud, the, once the mud covered them from the oxygen, that sealed it off and protected it and, and preserved it. Uh-huh. And so those are the logs. The others would disintegrate, and they'd... You know. So do you think that's a good investment for like your grandkids if you've got your house with some property, just bury a couple hundred logs in the uh, backyard? Possibly, I guess. You know, um, you'd want it in a swampy, marshy, you know, wet, 
condition okay. and you'd want to seal it off from you know in the mud um but it also takes a hundred years or 150 yeah. years so to, maybe the great grandkids so yeah yeah that i mean hell if my <laughs> great grandfather had done that for me i'd be really thrilled yeah it's <laughs> worth like i mean i remember this dude in the tv show he would find these logs and he would just mill them with a straight chainsaw he had yeah. this little jig yep and yep. he would cut it into fourths yep and he would sell each like five to six foot long wide piece yeah for like 13 grand mm -hmm. and it's just a straight oh yeah quarter of a log <laughs> yeah, that you would mount really. above their fire and, and then you then you you know <sighs> yeah i i so when i had to build a guitar out of mahogany mm -hmm. a sinker mahogany we're talking i mean three sixteenths of an inch thick right yeah and it's two pieces that are book matched so so from the same board you kind of cut it um flat and then open it up like a book so okay. that the two sides match right well, just that, and then the two sides. It's a twelve hundred dollar upgrade. What do you do with the scraps? What do you? Um, I mean, you gotta be putting mm -hmm. something where you're gonna sell it. Yeah, I use a lot of scraps on that kind of stuff for rosettes and inlays. Okay, and so I've got boxes upon boxes of stuff like that. Yeah, um, bins all over the shop. I'm swimming in it. <laughs> yeah, no, man. I told you I moved so much. I still got just like a. A stack of all this scrap wood that I can't bear to throw away. Yeah, like, totally. I drug it from California to Utah to Florida <laughs> back to Utah, yep. and it's like, yep, it's, the shit's so expensive now. It's like, yeah, well, and it's almost like a like a hoarding disease. <laughs> it is no. <laughs> I mean, got, I literally have so much of it I can't even. You couldn't imagine. I've got like so much hardware and crap for like hanging, yeah. you know, joists on patio covers and big old lag bulbs and it's just sure. like i can't throw it away. my wife is always talking crap because i've got <laughs> I, I had a landscape company and i've got three five gallon buckets full of fittings you know i had oh, to keep sure. all the you know eighth bends or 45s yeah, yeah. and you know my valve uh, <laughs> it's just but i just keep carrying it around carrying it around yeah i know what you mean i've been like that for with the wood and with the guitar building, it's kind of fun because I'm using pieces of wood that I've had for 25 years. Yeah. Literally, they've been sitting in a bin for 25 years, and then I put a concept together for, for a new build, and uh, it's like, what's the rosette going to be on this one? And so I go digging through it, and then I'll, oh, I remember this block. <laughs> I remember yeah. what I made with it 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and so I'll use that in the rosette. It's, it's super fun. So do you use any of the, because uh, like, like with that dice thing I showed yeah. you, like this computer CNC, wood CNC machine kind of yeah. changed the game for hand woodwork. Oh, sure I mean, you've did. got yeah. people, even guitars, I would imagine, they can just cut the yeah. pieces out. And yeah, absolutely. Does that, um, yeah, it's a do you thing. like that? Oh, absolutely. You like yeah. using those? Or? Um, I, I, so... Up until now, it's kind of funny uh -huh. that you mentioned that right now, I have been outsourcing my logo. Okay. And so, because the, the logo almost looks like a signature. You know, yeah. Like Rask. And like it's the t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. It's just like that. And so, uh, you know, when you put that on a really small headstock, it is fine detail. Yeah. And so it's just easiest to have somebody cut it out on a CNC and then they do both the male and the female part and I go take them the the headstock they do it and then send it back to me 
But uh, I actually um, just ordered one, a CNC, okay. a good size one. So it'll be delivered on Tuesday. So uh, we're going to bring it in-house and do it ourselves. And, and I'm looking at doing neck carving and stuff like that. Yeah. Making the fretboards. Well, it's, it's like you need that to compete. Now, it kind of yeah. sucks because, you know, it's it kind of takes the skill out of a lot of these. Yeah. I mean, they still go on Etsy and put hand-carved hand or hand-made right, right. wood stuff, and it's just like, yeah. I mean, you're gluing crap together off of a CAD drawing that yeah, somebody exactly. did. Yeah, exactly, and that's, that's, that takes it too far. I think you lose a lot of magic when you do that. Yeah. And you lose a lot of soul in the instrument um but there are some things that do make sense oh yeah for sure you know and, and that's kind of where i sit with it um i have two separate lines of guitars okay i have i have the enlightened series and then i have the transcend series okay my transcend series are hand built by me and i do i do everything that's the ones that start at fifty eight hundred dollars okay and then we're getting ready to launch this enlightened series it's a thirty five hundred dollar guitar okay okay some more and mass produced not mass produced but if I can shave two days off of the build by by cutting the neck out, yeah, then I can make it. You know, I mean, geez, and I've done the math, and it, it, if I keep doing it the way I'm doing it, I would make more money working at McDonald's than building enlightened guitars at thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. You just can't do it by hand and make it. But I want to lower the barrier to entry and be able to get people to buy the guitars that couldn't afford a six thousand dollar one. Yeah, right. So so it's this this balance of well. Do we go down that route or not? And we ultimately decided it was worth it because now the voicing of the top and the bracing and all the stuff that matters for sound and tone will never be done by a machine. It's all still going to be hand done because you can't you can't set a tolerance. Like for example, the top thickness. Uh huh. Okay. I kind of gave you some some idea of what how thick they are, but every one of them is different because every piece of wood is made differently. Yeah. And so I'm going to have, if I took two pieces of the same wood from the same tree and cut them to the same direct, uh, exact dimensions, they're not going to sound the same. Because okay? of the grain and everything? Because of the grain. And so, so if I do that um, and I cut them all the same, I'm going to have some that hit the mark. I mean, because there's like kind of like the sweet little envelope, um, the sweet spot on thickness. Okay. Um, if you are too thick, it's not going to sound good. And if you go too thin, it's not going to sound good. And more importantly, it's not going to have the structural integrity you need to, yeah. to hold the tension of the strings, right? But what that number is, is different for every single piece of wood. So what factory builders do is they just leave it on the thick side. But okay. they sacrifice a lot of tone by doing that. I got okay. you. So now what I'll do is I'll sit there and I'll sand them down. I have a drum sander. It is a machine, okay? But I'll sand them down to till they ring correctly, till they're the right thickness that I want them to be. So how do you how do you do that? Do you like assemble it and then tear it back apart or no? No, okay. no, no. I just know how stiff it needs to be versus okay. how you, you tap tone. You, you hold it on the corner and thump on it with your... I wish I brought a piece of a top. You would literally hear it in the microphone. Every piece of wood, if you hold it right and you thump on it with your finger, it'll ring. How long did it take you to figure that out? You know? uh, I, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. 
it's 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 one of those things that that luthiers are chasing their entire lifetime you know trying to get the perfect sounding guitar right yeah. and and we get great sounding guitars but we're always trying to chase that elusive perfect sound right yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no for sure <laughs> yeah and i mean i i know you can do really cool things with the cnc machine but i like i really get into i got a couple old um molding planes and stuff yeah and just the amount of woodwork you know a hundred years ago it's like oh man those gosh, guys had imagine? talent dude. well in instrument builders when they're taking a board that was eight inches wide uh-huh. and they're cutting resawing it by hand yeah and and literally getting two pieces of of wood that are now an eighth of an inch thick or, or three sixteenths of an inch thick and booking mat- book matching that, but they're doing it with hand saws. Yeah. That just blows my mind. And then they got to go and sharpen the saws after they're done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine working like that. Um, I like to have a balance. Yeah. I really love getting my hand planes out and making big, long curls, you know, as I'm shaving down bracing or something. But uh, but at the same time, I really love my drum sander. Oh, yeah. No, you know? for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys who has to have everything hand. But, uh, and, and I really love carving a neck, too. Uh-huh. One of the, one how, of the things. Do, though, how do you do that? Oh, the neck carving. So we kind of, before we started, we talked about that a little bit. It's kind of a cool thing. I, that was the most intimidating part. Yeah, for and, sure. In fact, my first two guitars, I bought pre-carved necks because I was nervous to do it. Yeah. And, and you know, anybody can set up a table saw at a certain width and run a board through it, right? But that's carving. And so it was so, I'm thinking like artists that carve owls and stuff. Yeah. It's going to be a really hard thing, right? Well, finally on number three, I, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to just tackle it. And I literally like fretted over it for a long time. I, I kind of spaced it out for probably three or four weeks. Just kind of building up the nerve, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then and then finally I built this little jig that I can put the neck into, and and then I'm like, okay, well, how does it fit on there? And then I clamped it on. I'm like, okay, that looks like that's gonna work. And so then I grabbed my files and my my uh, I have a Shinto rasp and and some dragon rasps, and and I just started to see how it would work. And ten minutes later, the thing was pretty much basic shape. Fifteen okay. minutes later. You don't use, like, a spoke shave or anything? You can. Those? Yeah, okay. you can. Um, I didn't have one at the time, so I was using a small hand block plane. Okay. And, and you kind of get the shape at the first fret and the tenth fret, and, and you use a little uh, template that gives you the curve so you can kind of set it down over and see how close you are. And once you get the first and tenth fret done on the back of the neck, then it's pretty easy to just remove material in between them to those points. But every guitar then, I mean, every guitar is a little bit off, like a little different. Yeah, if you're doing it by hand, you're not going to have that repeatability. You know, I mean, you can get them pretty good. They all feel good, you know. But like... Like Gibson or something, they just throw it in the CNC machine. I think most of them do. Yeah. yeah, I think any of the big manufacturers do. And and my viewpoint on this, and the reason why I went, I, I'm older. I mean, I'm 48 years old, and I started my business, even though I've been building for, for several years, I started my business a year ago. Okay. Okay. Um, it's not like I have 30 years ahead of me of guitar building. Yeah. Okay, but I want to set up a, a legacy to leave for my son and and you know my kids and and I want to be able to um, you know I, I'm not going to be able to do all that work. 
I mean, hopefully as long as I can, but if I set up kind of, um, if I can have a CNC that does my neck carving, yeah, especially on my Enlightened series, then if something happens to me health-wise or something and I physically can't do it anymore, then I still have something that's bringing me in an income. Yeah, no. And so that was kind of my thinking of why I went that way. No, for sure. It's just, it's it's weird to watch it all sort of go i mean there's there's good and bad you know but when yeah. it's it's everything seems to be going digital like everything yeah, oh yeah seems totally to be going. it's just totally i mean i guess i started working back in like 2003 and yeah. i've just seen wages deteriorate yeah and yeah. like a lot of that has to do with all this automated stuff, you know. I, I think so. I think a lot of it also has to do with what we place value on in society. Yeah. And unfortunately, by removing a lot of the shop classes out of high schools and junior highs, I think we're we're seeing a lot less people interested in craft, yeah, uh, craftsmanship, and, and 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 that's that's kind of a a, a pending problem that we have coming. Yeah, no, you know? it's like I've when I had I was telling you I got pushed into doing handyman work and stuff, and mm-hmm. I built a lot of cabinets and patio covers and like door window and door casing was yeah. one of my big things. But it's like now if you want me to build you custom cabinets out of MDF, like yeah. the stuff they're selling at Home Depot with that laminate cover, like oh yeah, yeah, the melamine, how, yeah. How do you uh, oh, how do you compete with that? Right now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, the only thing I use that stuff for is molds and jigs and stuff. Yeah. So I don't have to buy a whole lot of it. But, yeah, it's going through the roof. It's just, that. yeah, no, I mean, they, you know, China can whip out these cabinets and they they look good now. Yeah, They right. look good. Yeah. And yep. it's like, you know, unless you want me to do real wood and stain it and that like are you gonna pay for that yeah yeah (laughs) what do we place a value on and yeah exactly that's kind of a challenge too it was funny because for the first you know few years of building when i was doing it on the sides um i'd get people oh i love your guitars i'd post pictures and i love them i want to buy one of your guitars how much are they and i'd be like yeah they start at you know fifty eight hundred dollars and then the you know Oh, I thought it was going to be like eight hundred bucks, or because they're used to buying crap from China that's just horrible. Yeah, so and they don't understand what really goes into this, and this is not like even any factory guitar. Well, and it's not like I could just go and build a guitar. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's something that somebody learned how to do of experience to get to the point where we can build something like that. But just as American, well, it's people in the world now it's like we just you know you used to the guitar was your thing that's the thing you had but now like we got a lot of things yeah (laughs) totally totally yeah we've come become a little bit of a disposable society yeah and 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 that's i guess progress in some ways but in other ways we're losing a lot of the art and and value and of artistry yeah but but there are people that do understand it and then that's what i've found is that that, you know, my customers aren't the people who, who uh, you know, want to spend $600 on a guitar, obviously. Yeah. I couldn't even buy the materials to build one of these for that. Like, literally. Yeah, no. It would co- I mean, uh, th- these guitars here, both of them, I mean, I'm probably twelve to $1,500 in cost. And then, then the 
200 hours on each one of them yeah <laughs> <You> no <know? laughs> you do the math it's you know i'm not i'm not getting rich off of making guitars but then know? it's like you know it's hard to compete when they somebody makes a factory and they're just yeah you know yeah. making a couple dollars off of each guitar but they're selling but they're building 500 yeah. 500 guitars a day yeah, yeah yeah exactly but you know what there's a happy medium there's there's people who want that artistry out there yeah and there's people, you know, I kind of look at it with my my uh, customers. They're either the people who want to have that something special that's handmade, that's got the finishing touches, that's got the sentimental things built into it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and they've got enough money, and, and sometimes they play, and sometimes they don't, you know. Or there's the professional musician who wants to record with it, and their livelihood depends on it. And and they want something that's that's going to sound better than anything else, you know. Yeah, it's their so, it's their life. That's right. Yep. Yeah. The um, what do you coat the inside with? Is that like a beeswax or what do you what Actually, do you do for the inside? I, I don't. I leave it raw. Okay. Uh, Is it finished at all? Not on the inside. Okay. And that's kind of counterintuitive for woodworking. Usually if you do something on one side of the board, you do it to the other side. But where this is a box and it's enclosed all the way, it's held together so it won't bow or bend on you. Um, and it allows the wood to breathe and get moisture in and out of it, you know, and acclimate to rooms and stuff like that a little easier. Um, plus with the raw inside... Uh, this is debatable. I mean, some people think that it, it enhances the tone, but, you know, there's so many little things. Everything affects tone. I mean, we'll just say that. But can you point to one thing that made this guitar sound better than the other? Who knows, you know? Yeah, I, I would imagine that if you did seal it versus not sealing it would make a difference. I, I would think it would make a difference, but I don't know that we could hear it with our ear. And, and more importantly, I don't know how you would... Um, you would you'd be able to quantify that. In fact, look, here's I did an experiment one time. I, I was about to. I actually tried the experiment. I learned what I needed to before I had to build the guitars. Um, so the lining is, it goes along the rim, and it's you, you do like a quarter-inch strip or, you know, three-eighths of an inch strip on the inside of, of the rim, and that gives you some surface area to glue the top onto. Okay. Okay. Because um, the the top is or the sides are so thin, you couldn't really glue just to that. Yeah. So you have to build it up kind of in the corners so that the top has something to glue to or the back. Okay. Well, most of them use kerf lining, and if you look in any guitar, and if you know you're listening at home and you've got a guitar, go look inside the sound hole, look at that edge, and you're going to see all these little saw cuts in there. Uh -huh. Okay. And and that's so that makes that piece of lining really flexible and it can bend around the you know. It makes it easy to install. Well, I use solid linings, meaning I have to bend each piece and I have to do two layers on top of the sides okay. to be able to build it up. It takes me two days to do this solid lining, okay? But my, my theory is, is that it gives you more projection. I mean, if you think of a diving board and you think of the base of that diving board being super solid and strong and doesn't move, when you bounce off of it, that gives you the spring. But now if you take that base of a diving board uh, and you make it spongy or soft at all, you're not going to get any lift on the end of it at all. Okay. okay right? It's going to rob you of any energy you have yeah. to, to move that diving board or move you up into the air. Well, your soundboard is moving up and down when you 
strum the strings. And that's what's producing your sound. So if you have a spongy side, you're robbing yourself of tone. So my personal belief and theory is that you put a solid lining in and you get more projection and you get a louder and more pronounced sound. Okay. Okay. But I can't prove that. And so I decided I was going to try an experiment. And I bought all the stuff to buy to build two identical guitars. <laughs> okay. This is so crazy. Because I, I, uh, I, I bought spruce and I told my supplier I need as close to the same thing as you can possibly give me. Okay? Uh-huh. So he literally took a one-inch board, took four slices off of it. Two of them opened up and book matched to become one top. And then the other two slices became the second top for the second guitar. He sent them to me. I did the same thing with the backs and the sides, okay? Literally, you look at them, you can see where um, it's the same part of the tree. You know, you can see the same grain pattern in all all four pieces of wood, right? And so I get them there, and then the first thing I do when I pick up a new piece of wood is I hold it up by my fingers, and I tap on it, and I listen to the tap tone. And the first piece of spruce that I tapped on sounded, you know really good and had a really bell-like ring to it, you know. And then I went to the other one, and it was a completely different sound. Uh, 100% completely different. And then I went, oh, that ain't going to work. do your test. If I made them by a machine and they were perfectly identical, they would sound 100% different from each other because the wood is different. Yeah. And so that was when I learned that, you know, how do you quantify? I, maybe if I built, you know, a thousand of them each way, then I could aggregate the, you know, the yeah. the total. But there's no way I can do that. I don't build enough guitars to, uh, I don't mass produce. So, I, you yeah. know, so at that point, I just, I scrapped the idea of even trying and just went, I'm going to make the best sounding guitars I can with what I have an intuition you know i just intuitively build but it was fascinating so so i guess what it kind of come down to if you took a picture of your your fingerprint Uh okay and then you drew two lines next to each other okay and then you looked at the pattern that on these two tight little lines you know drawing through the through the fingerprint would they be the same next to each other like if you had Drew three lines, okay? So you've got one captured and then another one captured. Uh-huh. This is making sense to you. Yeah, no. Um, but would they match? Would they look at anything like each other? Probably not. They wouldn't. Yeah. Because by the time you move from this part to this part, the pattern's changed. Uh-huh. That's the same thing with a, with a um, you take a cross section, even at an eighth of an inch thick, and then move over just the saw blade width, it's going to have a different pattern and structure. Yeah. Just like your fingerprint would be if you took cross-sections of that. Just like a saw blade worth through your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just took a saw blade width through the fingerprint and looked at it under a microscope and then did it right next to each other. They would look completely different. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening with the wood, and so it's going to sound completely different. So why... Like, you got the cases. Do you build the cases? No, I buy those. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why is it shaped... Like all guitars look mm-hmm. similar to that shape. The yep. holes always that, look are about the same size. Do you ever yeah. screw around with making different shapes? Um, not really. I mean, there's there's a reason why it's you know three hundred year old design. Yeah, you know it works. It, I mean, they kind of started off on the right foot. I mean, now that being said, you know a Rask guitar the shape of it is different from a Martin or a Taylor or a Gibson. Uh-huh. You can clearly see that it's not the same. 
but like they're the all going to still be that general hourglass shape that okay. you can see. Um, so, but there are guys that do it. I've seen a guy just recently built one that was square. <laughs> just to do it you know did you hear what that sounded like i didn't um i kind of wished i had the opportunity to hear it just just yeah just curiosity yeah it'd be kind of cool but yeah so there's people who do different things that are wild i'm not into the things that are really i like to make something really refined and really beautiful uh-huh but i don't want to go too far outside you know yeah outside the lines i mean well you then you're getting even smaller niche yeah, then try to sell something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's not easy. Do you and make so. any other instruments? Um, you know, I, I've made some snare drums. My brother's a drummer, so, you know, we've made some snare drums, and we've. Um, I'm building a tongue drum just for fun. Okay. But, yeah. What is the tongue only. drum the one where it's uh, it's like a trash can? Yeah. Beat that, in, and then they like file down individual parts. Okay, so that's like uh, that's almost okay. It's more like like uh, they'll make some of them. The ones I'm making out of wood, but they make them sometimes out of a propane tank. Okay, and they'll cut like little tongue shapes in them, and then they make all different sounds. You know, but there's um, like thirty different little. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the one I'm building is like basically a big. Almost imagine the shape of a Kleenex box, uh-huh. okay, but quite a bit bigger, maybe 18 inches long, 20 inches long, and then it'll have like six tongues on one side and six tongues that kind of, you know, from the other side, and then you do tune them um, yeah. by shape, sh- shaving wood off of the back, and then, you know, you pound on them with mallets, and they, and they, they give a really cool sound. Yeah. And so they're a fun... They're a fun instrument, but I'm just doing it because it's fun. I mean... I, there are so many damn instruments oh, out yeah, there, yeah. man. It's and, and I think that, you know, I mean, I've... I've At one point, I thought about, oh, I'll build a mandolin and then a banjo. And yeah. That. But you know what, man? I found my niche. I love steel string acoustic guitars. Yeah. And I'm good at it, you know? And so focus on what's what you're good at you know that's that's me that's that's just for me there's guys that want to be able to check each box and build every instrument cool i I totally am fascinated by those guys well if you're trying to sell it then but yeah i'm trying to make a business and i i want to really focus down on what i'm good at yeah you know so yeah yeah i like mandolins we we have a little cheap mandolin but it's weird to see how like I mean, from a banjo to a guitar to a ukulele to a... sounds, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing. Like a ukulele and a uh, and a, uh, mandolin, they're fairly the same size, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, uh, totally. Totally different sounds. Yeah, I know yeah. strings have stuff to do with that. Of course, and, and, and scale length. Um, how long is the string? Uh, you know, how long is it? It's suspended from the nut in the saddle. Uh huh. How long is that distance? You know, because that's going to make a difference. Yeah, the uh, violins too, like oh, some yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, I don't I have uh, a deep respect and love for that. Yeah, um, I have a friend who just built one, and it came out just un- unbelievably beautiful, and it sounds incredible. And there is a, I, I think, of any instrument. That one sells for a lot, right? Oh, yeah, they sell for a lot. Yeah. yeah. You get a good, I mean, they, they range, of course, but they sell for a lot. But they're such a beautiful instrument. The only thing that keeps me from wanting to, because that would be the one. If I were going to pick another instrument that I really wanted to try, I'd, I'd want to build a violin. 
Um, but there's one thing that keeps me away from that, and that's the rigidity of it's steeped in tra um, tradition. Yeah. You don't see violins very often that are made from cocobolo backs with really wild figure. You see maple that's flame maple, and they're all painted the same color or stained the same color, and they all have spruce tops. And, you know, there's not a lot of, it's like so traditional that that I think you'd be viewed as a heretic if you were trying to go outside. Yeah. You, you know what I, I mean? Man, since like, because uh, I told you I listened to a lot of folk punk, and I mean, mm -hmm. even in like um, mainstream music nowadays, you're hearing a lot more of these instruments. So oh, I yeah. think like totally. if somebody came in and started experimenting with that. Sure. Like, I, and I know people have done it, and, and I think that, you know, but the people who are willing to spend the thirty-five or forty-five yeah. or sixty-five grand on a violin, they're usually, um, you know, orchestra performers yeah. or, or symphony performers, and they've got to have the instruments all look the same on stage, and you know, yeah, it's, for sure, it's it's kind of again, it's it's a very steeped in tradition, you know, thing, and and that doesn't appeal to me. I want the creativity to be able to build a black guitar that's not for everybody. With yeah. these really beautiful, you know, um, accents. And then the next day build one um, out of a completely different wood that has a different, you know, stylistic uh, approach to it, you know. And you said it takes about 200 hours per guitar? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, give or take, and depends on what I'm building. I mean, the more intricate I get on the details and, you know, the transcends are, you know, probably 250, you know, an hours, 250 hours. But my Enlightened series, I mean, I'm getting that down probably around 125 hours. Okay. You know, so so I don't do all the purflings. I just do simple. I, I just do simple. I don't do a back strip down the middle of the back, whereas I will on the transcends. How how many guitars did you build before you sold your first one? <laughs> Two. No, one. one. One? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one. I had, I was building number two. And uh, I actually sold my jointer, um, one of my tools. I sold my jointer <laughs> and my planer so that I could get a drum sander. I gotcha. Okay. And the guy that bought my jointer came in and I to pick it up, and I had number two on the workbench, and he was he was, are you building that? You know, uh, how much you how much I want one? How much would you sell it sell one to me for? And I, I didn't even know what to charge. I had yeah. no idea, you know. I mean, I know before that, my view was, man, you get a nice uh, Taylor for $3,500. That's a great guitar, you know. And that, yeah. that's the only reference I had. I said, well, it'd be expensive. And he goes, what, like two grand? I said, well, probably like thirty-five. And he goes, okay, I'll take one. <laughs> 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 All right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then I realized that I just basically, uh, you know, gifted him probably another three grand in labor. You know? <laughs> yeah, my my dad cut the first time he cut the tip of his finger off was with a joiner. Oh, and yeah, I remember, uh, you know, he's holding his finger and he told me to go look for oh, the other part of yeah. his finger, and Ouch. there was like there wasn't even blood. In the sawdust, man. Oh it just, like, my gosh, just vaporized clean. that. Yeah, Have you ever cut? Crazy. I I cut my uh, 
tip of my finger in half with a jigsaw. Ouch. Have you ever cut, cut a you finger off? You know, I get cuts <laughs> like three days ago. I have a work apron I wear, a couple pockets out in front, and I always try to keep my, my retractable razor box cutter razor blade knife yeah. in it, you know, because you use that all over the shop. And I retracted it, but it didn't go back. It went to the first click. Uh-huh. So it was sticking out like a quarter of an inch and I didn't know it. And I dropped it in there and I went to reach into my pocket and just put my finger right across it. Yeah. <laughs> it bled like crazy. So, uh, but that, I mean, no, I've been pretty careful and lucky. Um, yeah. I, I've never had any major things. I've had a couple of kickbacks that, you know, yeah. <laughs> scared the crud out of me that could have been bad, but, but luckily, um, you know, I've got all my digits still. <laughs> yeah. I was learning how to <laughs> cut pipe and nobody told me to cut from the bottom. I had one of them big old 14 inch gas cutoff saws. Oh yeah. And that thing like right on my armpit, Ooh. man, I've got this scar. Wow. I got the same thing from a grinder. Yeah. One of them big seven inch oh, grinders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kickback will get you. Oh, absolutely. I've got little scars from cuts and little, you know, close calls and stuff yeah. on my hands, but but nothing nothing bad. I mean nothing that, you know I think I had stitches in one hand once. For yeah. A piece of sheet metal, you know. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <it. laughs> I uh I'm expecting it'll happen to me. I'm, I know my dad he did the planer and then he did just a hand hand joiner. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he's holding a piece of wood like this Ooh, and the cut yeah. on the exact same, Ooh. or the opposite hand, the exact same, same finger. finger. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it matches. He's yeah. symmetrical now. <laughs> it doesn't have fingernails on those two. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's coming for me. Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. Um, I mean, if you have a good, healthy respect for the tools, yeah, and, you know. Um, you can stay on top of it. I, That's the thing, though, is you get, you know, you're just doing the same thing over and over and yeah, over again, then you get a little too comfortable. Get complacent. The thing that scares me is, you know, I don't have any employees yet, mm-hmm. but I have an apprentice program where guys can come in and learn how to build a guitar, and they, they get a guitar out of it, and they help me build guitars for a while for six months and so i do my apprentice program and that's what scares me is when yeah. i'm getting hurt you know that just that terrifies me um because it I know sucks how to like they're someone else's stupidity can come back and yeah that just that just makes me nervous. like every time i've hurt myself at work i've never you know wanted yeah. to go after the boss right. or anything but there are <laughs> right. a lot of people that do you know yeah oh i know going on disability would scare me because good luck trying to find another job after that right yeah like, seriously yeah but uh yeah yeah no i've seen some pretty big guys where you know my wrist hurts <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah right okay tough guy <laughs> you're gonna be milking this for a while aren't you? <laughs> yeah right right yeah. <laughs> so how many guitars you got going right now um in the process i have I want to say there's probably about, oh man, there's so many. I, I've got seven of them that are almost done. Okay. Like to the point where the body is enclosed. It's, you know, it's now the body's there. Now I'm working on the necks and the neck joints and stuff. Um, so, you know, some are a little closer to, than others. I've got one at the finisher. And then behind that, I've got another three that are kind of just starting. Okay. And then I've got a queue of about, 50 guitars in my build list so how do you how do you go about that i mean are you building them in like sets of seven where you're like okay i'm gonna bend all the sides for seven of them 
or is it just like i feel like doing this today yeah, a little bit of that yeah you know being an artist you yeah ca- you kind of maybe a little add <laughs> you know <laughs> i think it's a common trait amongst artists and so sometimes you're just like okay i need to change it up i want to start or, or you know and and for a while you know I, at one point i was talking to my wife and said you know i should probably just stick to one guitar and she goes don't you dare yeah why well because you'll kill your creativity and and that's what what gets you going and so, so there's times where I'm in the middle of a build and I'm, I'm halfway done with it, but then I get a concept where of this really cool idea to do a guitar that nobody's ever seen. Uh-huh. And, and then I can't freaking wait <laughs> to finish these <laughs> other guitars. So I have to start bending the sides and kind of laying it out, you know, and she's like, do it because, and so, yeah, it kind of Spaces the time out a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, no. but it keeps the creativity flowing, and that's kind of the, the 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 magic, if that makes sense. What's the part you hate the most out of making a guitar? Uh, s- well, finishing I don't do. I okay. send it out. I, uh, I so that's kind of. But what do sanding. they do? Do they dip <laughs> that thing or what? No, they spray it. Spray it. They use a spray booth. Uh huh. The finish on those are amazing. Thank like. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these are done uh, with nitrocellulose and is really thin. Uh, I'm actually just about to change. My next guitars are going out to another place. They're actually getting shipped to Canada, okay. to Vancouver. And there's a, a place up there called Vancouver Finishing. And this guy, Rob, is just amazing. But what he uses is a, a, a polyester that's a UV bake. And so you, you spray it on, and it goes on extremely thin. And then they use a UV oven to cure it okay and and the benefit of it is that it doesn't impede your sound as much as anything else and, and you can go super thin uh which again the thinner the finish the better it's going to resonate and yeah i mean it looks like it's got a thick thick finish on there but yeah and it's, it's actually uh, not as thick as you would think I yeah mean, i mean i mean we're talking when, when i do one with color with this with this new process uh-huh we're talking seven thousandths of an inch yeah no i mean it you looks know. like there's like a very thin sheet of glass. On yeah, it. I really and like the. Uh, there is the tan the smaller one. one you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it yeah. makes it beautiful because you really see the wood. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I like that too. Um, I prefer to see the wood, but I also like to expand the. You know, like like I'm doing one that's going to be a white guitar, uh-huh. kind of the same concept as this black one. Yeah, but with blue highlights. Yeah, because the highlights and, you know, add a lot, too. Oh, it makes it pop. It's just yeah. fun. You've got something that doesn't look like anything else you've seen. You know, it, it's kind of cool. Do so, you ever, like, etch anything in there? Or? Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we can do inlays anywhere on the guitar that you want. Um, this one, on the headstock, there's a torch. Okay. And it's kind of fun because the torch, it's a simple torch, but there's some symbolism behind it. And it's inlaid. But the the torch is my guitar, and the flame is your music, and together we get to kind of light the world. Okay. You know? So that's the symbolism behind that one. Um, I like to do, if you look into the sound hole, and there's this thing called the heel block, and that's kind of the big block that you glue at the top of the guitar so that there's somewhere to cut uh, a neck pocket so you can attach the neck to it. Okay. That's called the heel block. Um so I'll put a piece of uh, exotic wood in there, and sometimes I'll put an inlay. Like, I've got a guy that I'm building for right now. This is kind of fun, because he attributes his success in life 
to his grandmother, who was a florist. He wanted to do some type of a tribute to her on the guitar, but he didn't want to make the theme of the guitar about her. Okay. So so he just wanted some little nod to grandma, right? So So what we did was we did the theme based on what he wanted and made the guitar about him. But when you look in through the sound hole at the heart of the guitar... There's a rose inlaid on that heel heel block. That's cool. And so so it's there. She's at the heart of his guitar, and there's the tribute to Grandma, being subtle and and sacred. You know, you don't see it unless he's going to show it to you. Yeah, no, you know? I mean that's definitely for a musician. Yeah, you know, yeah, like absolutely. But uh, I mean, that's what they, that's their life. Yeah, that's oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And music, fun. like you were saying earlier. Um, you know, music is, it's like a drug. Like, it is, it, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it'll take a part of you that, yeah. I mean, you can't explain. No, and, and you know, you have the ability to literally affect every emotion in the human experience through music. Oh, for sure. That's fascinating to me. You know, I mean, and really amazing musicians and songwriters are the guys that can make you feel what they want you to feel. Uh-huh. They can take you through an emotional journey. You yeah. know, and end up you're crying or laughing like you were watching a movie or something, but you're doing it through music. It's fascinating to me that you have that kind of power. And and, and so for me, and I'm gonna tell you this is the thing that, that gets me going. I mean, I, I I feel like I was created to build guitars, if, uh -huh. if that makes sense. And and, and they probably not even the best guitars you'll ever find, okay? But but the thing is is that there's something special about what's happening. Um it, it's just incredible. But the um, music for or building instruments for me is co-creation. I get to take these materials that were created by somebody else and hidden in trees all over the world, and then I get to use those and co-create and make something beautiful with it. But the pinnacle of that is the moment that I get to hand that to somebody else who gets to use it to create something far more important and far more powerful than anything I've ever done. And that's the power of music. Yeah. And so if somebody can take and write a song that will give hope to somebody that's about to commit suicide or help somebody to fall in love or gives enlightenment or encouragement or any of those things, they're elevating the human experience. And I feel like there's this ability to, to, Make the world a better place. And, and I, that sounds so trite and cliche, but I really believe that, you know, there's inspiration that goes into the building of these guitars. And people who write music, they, they understand that because they write with, ins, you know, inspiration. Yeah. There's guys that have told me, you know, that they feel like they're writing music, writing songs, and, and they know they're just putting words on paper. But then there's other times where they tap into something bigger than them. And the song seems to write itself or flow through them. Yeah. Right? And it comes from somewhere else. Well, I feel that when I'm building a guitar. And I don't know how to explain it. And in all reality, because I haven't been doing this my whole life, guitar uh -huh. building, I'm getting results that don't make sense. I shouldn't be able to build guitars that sound and look like this. But I'm able to because something outside of me, something bigger than me, is helping me to have better results than logical. Well, yeah, dictate. no, everybody's got like a, uh, 
everybody's got something that they have like a natural ability to mm-hmm. you know it's like skateboarding i could skateboard every day and somebody yeah. just jumps on and they're amazing it's yeah like, yeah you know it's some people just have it yeah and different yeah. things yeah i think uh you know god was playing a trick on me and he he did mine as a general laborer i'm pretty oh. good at that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know i can carry right. stuff all day or <laughs> dig holes i'm pretty damn good at digging holes <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> well i i can't explain it but i'm i'm uh definitely grateful because uh because it's this is no it's a fun uh, job so fun yeah. so fun and i feel like i'm um making a difference so that's that's the the best part doing something important you know do you go to a lot of the shows around here uh like what shows well just like like bands playing out here do you um, have a little bit a little bit i mean i work with a lot of musicians i get musicians that come in all the time uh because they want to check out the guitars and i love i love it when especially when a, a musician comes in that um just knows how to wail on a guitar. You know, uh-huh. Knows how to pull sounds out of it that I didn't know the guitar was capable of, right? It's just so exciting. But yeah, I do a little bit of, of concerts and stuff okay. like that. But What's your favorite type of music? Oh, man, I like it all. I, I would say Chris Cornell is probably my favorite artist. Okay. You know, or was. Um, I, so I like, you know, the alternative of like classic rock. I mean, I'm even starting to get into country and I mean, I like it all. I mean, there's just, you know, there's a f- songs that I don't like, yeah. but, but man, music is so powerful. I love it all. And you, the electric guitars that's coming. What, it, what goes into that? Cause that's just like a flat piece of wood yeah yeah and you're not gonna uh, make as much of a difference with the wood and the sound because most of your sound is coming through the the pickups and and the effects and stuff that you're using so the tone wood is a little less important than on an acoustic guitar but uh but they're 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 simple i mean you've got to cut some pockets and cut shapes and wire it up and do a good finish and so they're they're much easier to build do you ever put pickups in the uh Mm-hmm. Okay. I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll use a K and K pure passive p- pickup or an LR, LR bags, um, anthem. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. No, I wanted to put one in my. Uh, they got this little kit on Amazon where I can put it in my yeah. ukulele. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I would love to hear a ukulele with a uh, distortion pedal. Yeah. yeah I've never heard <laughs> that. Would, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. And then, like, sure. what? What do you? For strings, do you have? Is that um, like who buys it picks the strings, or do you? No, I I pretty much build with all the same. Um, I, I can't say that I'm a string snob necessarily, okay. you know, uh, but they do make a difference. They do sound different from one brand to another, I guess. Um, but I use Diodario uh, phosphor bronze, and I, I just like the tone of them, and and they so I right. But if somebody wants something special, we do whatever they want. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, you're uh, you got some pretty nice guitars there. Thank you. And you're uh, starting it out, man. You're gonna have a <laughs> full-on business here. You wanna you wanna hear the difference between the two? Yeah, it's kind of fun because I got two different models here. I've got the 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 black one is a symphony model, okay. bigger, you know, and then the smaller one is um, an orchestra model. And so that's kind of like the Swiss Army knife of guitars. It kind of does. It's great for finger picking. It's great for um, strumming. I mean, you can project if you need it to. 
Um, the other one's like a really great, you know, kind of strumming machine and kind of like a dreadnought, you know. Yeah, no, let's uh, hear them. So this, I'll I'll have the picture in the thumbnail, and then I'll put the pictures of the two different ones okay. uh, on the posts. Yeah, and this and is I don't the know black how well one. This uh, this will pick it up. I can aim the mic here toward it a little bit. Yeah, I'll put this and, other one down and there. Disclaimer too. here: I'm not a musician. I'm a luthier, <laughs> which means I can't play very well. But <laughs> but you might as well, you know, kind of get an idea of how it sounds. It should come through your. Do you system. name them? I do. What's this one's name? This one's Orphan Orange. Okay. That one's the Sleeper. Okay. And it's called the Sleeper because it's built with. 50,000-year-old ancient cowrie that was buried in mud in New Zealand. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, there's a business in that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so here's uh, the age, uh, Orphan Orange. I hope my shitty microphones pick up the quality <laughs> of that, but I mean it sounds really good in person. <laughs> Thank you. So that's that's Orphan Orange. Um, and then we'll pull this one out. I mean it sounds really good live, but yeah, no, we're working with twenty dollar microphones, people. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. So this is a smaller body. This is it the, does look smaller. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit. It's kind of the same shape ish, you know. But uh, yeah, that wood. That one is beautiful. Like that. That ancient cowrie is unbelievable. Yeah, it's like my favorite wood. Um, the history behind it. And how much did you say the wood alone cost? That was like a ton, right? Um, not on this one. That was the ancient Sitka. Okay, that was a six thousand dollar upgrade. So this one's um, been buried for 150 years, and it's... No, this, that's, oh, okay. that's ancient. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's sinker mahogany. Okay. So this one is the oldest workable wood on the planet. It was literally a tsunami that happened before the last ice age and buried <laughs> these giant trees in the mud, and they sat there for 50,000 years. Jeez. And so now they're pulling these logs up out of the mud, and, I mean... You know, all those minerals seep into the wood, and it just, you know, gives you overtones. Who, who bought that one? I hope they, like, know... This guitar? No, the one with the 50,000-year-old... Well, that's this one. That's this one. That's 50,000-year-old 50, wood. That's this one, yep. Are yep. you selling... That's yours, right? You're not no, giving that uh, away. Well, so I actually built it um, as a test for another one that I'm building with the same wood. Okay. And that's more figured and more expensive, you know, more uh, rare, I guess. And I used this one that was very straight grain just because I wanted to experience it before I put into a really high-end guitar. I wanted to know what the sound was like. Yeah. So I kind of build this one as a scrap. But this one actually went to a studio in, in uh, Nashville, uh -huh. and they recorded with it. They've recorded about 30 different songs for albums um, in Nashville. And this is a guy, this is the studio that recorded uh, Luke Combs' uh, debut album that went 
super platinum, you know, had the 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 n number one hurricane his song uh was the number one country song in Sony Music's history. Mm -hmm. I mean just huge, right? And that was recorded at the studio. And so uh you know, the guy had invited me in. He said he wanted to try my guitars on an album, and, and I brought three of them in. They fell in love with this one, so I left it with them on loan. And they, they recorded, they recorded um, about 30 songs. And then I had, to, had, had them send it back because I needed pictures for the website that we're building. And so I, I haven't decided whether I'm going to send it back to them or not. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, obviously, if they wanted to buy it, I'd, I'd do that. But... I think it's worth it because they've got famous people coming in recording songs from time to time. Yeah. And and it's kind of worth it to have it there to where they can hear it, you know. I mean, that's crazy. 50,000-year-old. Yeah, it's nuts. I, I love it. Like, just, yeah. I mean, and I I wouldn't even think I would be able to afford something like that. Yeah, but like, you know, surprisingly, the wood for this particular guitar, I got a pretty good deal on. I found a really good board from the supplier it was on ebay and okay I, I made an offer that was like ridiculously low and he accepted it because it was kind of a plain jane looking board and and again when you're looking at the raw wood it looked really just boring you yeah know? but then you get a finish on it and that stuff looks so beautiful anyway so, so yeah i, I kind of hit a home run with this particular guitar anyway and it just sounds great i'd like to just make like a knife handle or something yeah, with, yeah, you know just yeah. to say well and, and uh yeah come see me i'll hook you up i got some things you can you can use for a knife handle or something yeah no um, it's i mean that's <laughs> just amazing to well let's hear this guy okay, this is the same i'm gonna play the same thing so you can kind of compare them gives you an idea of the sound there it sounds more like poppier a little brighter know? yeah brighter yep and and uh it, it feels like it's a little more scooped on the bass there's some good bass on it uh-huh but but in recording um I, I think that other one the first one sounds more pleasant to people in the room playing like if you're a singer songwriter if you're writing your own music that's the guitar i'd go for this one is like a perfect recording machine because that one if they were to record with it they'd have to eq all the bass out of it so that there's room for the for the bass guitar and the drums and yeah all that and so you know you kind of want a guitar that's almost scooped on the bass to be able to get a really good recording and not have to mess with it a lot and, and they're so, the same strings and everything same strings um same scale length even you know, so and that totally small, different sounds. small body, uh, just a little bit. I mean, we're talking one inch shorter and a half an inch narrower. Okay. Um, in size, that's how how big of a drop it is, and um, it's a little thinner body, you know, than the other one. Not my much. I mean, we're talking a half an inch or so. Um, but yeah, they, it has a totally different sound, and a lot of it has to do with the size, but a lot of it has to do with the the tone woods yeah and so yeah just a totally different i love this guitar though even though it doesn't have the bass that the other one has there's something really beautiful about its tone you know um 
Yeah, no, it's smooth. Yeah, a lot of sustain on it, too. It just goes. Yeah. It's still going. <laughs> still a little bit there. <laughs> What's on the inside of that one? I see, like, the label? lines. Oh, okay. Oh, and you're looking at the bracing. Okay. So the bracing is kind of what stiffens it up and gives it the strength to withstand the tension of the strings. I mean, there's 150 to 180 pounds of tension being pulled on that bridge. What do, what do you use for that? What uh, is that? Oh, like a tape or some? For my labels, I use a, <laughs> an Avery label. Okay. I print them, and then I cut them out to the shape that I want. But it's a little, it's not just white paper. It's it's like, I don't know, kind of a sparkly stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> and what what is the inlay around the... The sound hole? Yeah. So the rosette, um, that's actually ancient cowrie too. Okay. And, and so all of this, th this is kind of cool. I don't know if you can see that, but do you see the, the heel cap right here? Uh -huh. Watch the colors change. Oh, yeah, it goes from one side to the other. It goes dark to light. So dark you to flipped? Light. It, it's just book matched. Okay. So it's just how the light plays off. It's called chatoyance when you get that really where the light just dances off of the wood. Uh huh. That's called chatoyance. And um, Ancient Cowrie has it in spades. I mean, it's, it's a very, very um, glimmery chatoyant wood, you know. But uh, it, it's, yeah, it's amazing. But those accent pieces are a different tree of an Ancient Cowrie. And it's got more figure. It's got more movement in the grain, which will give you more light dancing. Yeah. Okay, this piece was very straight grained, and, you know, the back and sides on this one were really straight grained. So the next guitar that I'm building, the one that I was preparing for, is all made out, the whole guitar will be out of that really deeply figured chatoyant. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, it'd probably be almost a... $2,000 upgrade to build with that wood because it's it's expensive you yeah. know, when, you, when you get a figured piece like that you know well not yeah now people got to know wood is ex I mean you buy a piece of poplar it's ridiculous yeah, yeah I exactly. would imagine for that stuff then when you get like... something rare and you can't get it out of you know there was one company that was bringing it in from New Zealand uh -huh. they were the they were the the guys that were distributing it and they still have a little left so you can still find it here in the states but there was a regime change in, in New Zealand, and they put a st stop to it. So now, because the Maori people, they actually have like a spiritual connection to, to the wood. Yeah. And so they don't send any of the wood raw anymore out of the country. The only way you can get something from ancient cowrie is if you buy like a craft that was built by the Maori people. Okay. You know, that's the only way you can get it now. Unless you buy it that has already been in the States. You know, it was before they locked it down, so. So do you think, I mean, even with oak, like, I mean, 20, 30 years from now, it's like all this stuff is going to be that much harder to get. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and you should see this other one that I'm building. I love the ancient woods. There's a, a, a guitar that I'm building right now that's probably halfway done. Uh -huh. and it's made from bog oak. Okay, same concept. It comes from Fenland, England. And it was under a peat moss bog in Finland, England, for five thousand years. And the interesting thing is, it's it's kind of it's white oak, uh -huh. but it's jet black because the tannins in the oak actually react with the with the minerals in the ground, and just dye it jet black. It's yeah. the coolest stuff, and then it, it has a great sound. I mean, it's just cool. I wonder if 
I wonder if somebody's gonna find a way to do that quicker. You know, where they put oh, something speed, speed the process of aging yeah. and stuff and simulate that. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would I mean, be they're gonna have to eventually because we'll find it all. And yeah, I mean, it's it's like even that swamp loggers show you know where he would travel the rivers like uh yeah eventually you're gonna pull it all out yeah there's only so much of it that's buried right yeah and and at some point you're gonna run out yeah and you know you kind of mentioned something about like investing and oh man if i had unlimited funds right now i'd buy up all the sinker wood that i could find because there's not a lot of it yeah think about brazilian rosewood it used to be the standard of what guitars were made that and adirondack spruce Mm -hmm. came from it was red spruce from the adirondack mountains you know back east and you know the golden era of guitars they call it is when when martin and gibson were building guitars in the 20s and the 30s pre-war uh-huh and they were using a ton of brazilian rosewood with adirondack spruce tops and the tone was just unreal and it gets better with age by the way so those guitars are sought after heavily you you get a golden era guitar you 30 40 50 grand you know for a guitar that's 80 years old you know yeah um but the the interesting thing was is they um during world war ii they were building so many airplanes and ships with they they stripped that whole adirondack mountain and and there wasn't any more old growth Adirondack spruce to build guitars that's when they switched to sitka spruce Uh okay but adirondack spruce has a better sound and so if you have some of it, it's really expensive. Brazilian rosewood was coming from South America. And, I mean, a lot of it came because they were using it in furniture. They were using it for all kinds of things. And they strip my, you know, they just come in and clear cut a, a, you know, part of the forest to get those trees. But it wasn't just that. There were farmers down there burning hundreds of acres of rainforest so they could put farms in. Yeah. So it wasn't just the, the woodworkers and the you know the the demand for the wood but they they took it to the brink of extinction and so it got protected on the CITES list okay so meaning you can't you can't get it anymore you can't use it you're not allowed to use it unless that brazilian rosewood has been in the country since pre 1985 yeah okay well i can still build with it if i go buy a a set it's been around since 1985. But it's super expensive. We're looking at a back and sides, <laughs> just enough wood to do the back and the sides only, uh, anywhere from my cost, 2500 to $6,000. See, I couldn't even do that, man. I'd end up screwing something up. And oh, yeah, like, it definitely. There's 2500 bucks <laughs> well, down you the start drain. Cutting, you start cutting into it, and you go put it onto the bandsaw or something to start cutting it out. There's definitely a pucker factor. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're sweating there, and you're like, "Oh gosh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll screw this one up." You know, yeah, yeah it's it's a little nerve wracking, but you get used to it, and then it's yeah. you know, it's whatever. But yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't. I'd be a nervous wreck. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun though. It's so fun just to be able to create something with these things that are just so beautiful and so you know they've been around for so long and. And man, there's life to it. Yeah, that's another thing that's kind of kind of. And people might think I'm an absolute nut job. <laughs> okay, you might think I'm crazy, but but I believe that there's a life to it. I I believe that all the elements are some type of organized intelligence. Okay, and maybe not on a conscious level, like you and I. Yeah, would think of okay, 
but but there's a life to it. And have you ever seen on YouTube, there's a videos of like the rice test where they put love on one and hate on the other? I've seen the water test. Okay, the water test with yeah. Dr. Emoto. Uh-huh. Same thing, okay? My wife and I did the rice test 10 years ago. We took and boiled a, a pot of white rice, uh-huh. took half of it and put it into a glad container, both two glad containers that were identical, and put half of it in one, half in the other. Wrote the word love on one, wrote the word hate on the other. I've seen other people on YouTube now do it, and they'll they'll go and talk to the rice, and they say yeah. sweet nothings to the love rice, and then they yell at the... <laughs> yeah, hate, no. Right? You know? We didn't do any of that. We just put the words on there, and then we'd go and look at it every few days or whatever. We left it for three months. After three months, you go and you peel the lid off of the, um, the hate rice, and the mold had grown up onto the lid like hairs, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, it was black and green and browns, and it smelled horrible. It was just gone, right? Yeah. Um, then I pulled the lid off of the love rice after three months, and there was one little tan brown spot about the size of a quarter on one side and the rest was still pristine white yeah no explain that to me well it's even with like astrology like since i've had kids i never bought into any of that yeah and i don't buy into getting your horoscope read on the newspaper or whatever yeah but when you look at actual astrology and like your son was born this day, this is his sun sign, his moon sign, his star sign. Yeah. It's kind of like an algorithm. There you know? are. And, and there's order in everything. Yeah. And I don't know that I uh, what I buy into or not. I'm open to the fact that there's order in everything. There, there's design in everything. Yeah, I realistically right? think, I mean, astrology kind of points us in the direction like, well, maybe this is a simulation. You know, sure, but sure. do we comprehend what the simulation is? Like, yeah. would that be, okay, there's God, and God created us, but he's a fourth dimensional being. Right. And, like, we couldn't even comprehend yeah, his totally. plan. So, like, right. I mean, you can say it's, like, a computer simulation or whatever, sure, but, sure. And who like, knows? we don't who know. Knows? We don't but, know. But, you know, um... I, I think, like, if you go back to, like, the, the biblical story of Moses parting the wet Red Sea, mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why, if it did happen, and that's for you or your listeners to decide, but if it did, it was because there was organized intelligence in the elements, yeah. and they can obey a command because of that, because there's life to it. So how does that apply to guitar building? Well, my guitars, I put so much love and passion into what I'm doing that it comes out on the voice. You hear it yeah. in the final product. And I, I almost feel like it imprints somewhat on there. And if if the word love can make that big of a, a physical change to rice versus the word hate, why not on wood? Yeah. What's the difference, right? I think intention does play a part oh, into a lot of things, you know? Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's not going to, you're not going to just be able to look in the mirror every day and say you're a winner and then you're going to get a no, six-figure yeah. job or something of course, but yeah. it definitely does play a role I, in I day-to-day life well and i do these little things that you call it love notes or whatever you know mm-hmm. if i'm gluing two pieces of wood together before i slather the glue on there and clamp them up i'll write little messages in there i'll just grab a pencil and i'll write beautiful tone uh-huh. or i'll write love or healing music or, or whatever you know and i'll just whatever hits me at that moment and then i'll glue it up i'll throw the glue on there and clamp it together and nobody will ever see it or know it's there 
Yeah. You know, no, I mean, that's but, like but a... I feel like I'm hypercharging that guitar with, with some, something, some type of positive energy that's going to come out in the voice. Well, that's like the added detail that you're paying for. There, right, you know? right. Yeah. yeah so. What do you use? That's the one thing I haven't asked is what mm-hmm. do you use for the neck? Um, typically, I mean, you can use different types of wood. I like to use mahogany okay. um, for the necks, and that's the most common for guitars. Okay. There's a reason for it. It's got a great stiffness to weight ratio. It's extremely stable, so it doesn't. It's not affected by the humidity as much as other woods are, and so it stays straight and doesn't move. Yeah. You know. How so, how long does that stuff cured for? Like, I mean, do you dried and stuff? Yeah. Do you buy? that from like a guitar supply or are you, you know, just buying straight like home depot or like a not at home depot um so it depends it depends i mean there are times where i'll find luthier supply houses and they'll have the right piece of wood and i gotta have it because of a look uh-huh you know? um and so you then you'll overpay for it but then there's times where i just buy mahogany from the local hardwood lumber supplier there's yeah. a place called Macbeth's here in, in salt lake that that sells. I just went there yesterday and bought a whole bunch of stuff. But I I get mahogany from them. I'll cut it up and and that's the first thing that I make on the guitar when I start a new build. I build the neck blank and it's okay. not cut or shaped or anything like that. But I'll 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 scarf the neck and I'll you know build it all up and I'll kind of get it cut to the to the very rough squared version uh-huh. of it, and then that way it can sit around while I build the rest of it and kind of. You know, because every time you cut wood, you're going to release moisture, and it's going to do something. It's going to move a little yeah. bit. So I want that neck to kind of stabilize, and, and I'll let it sit in my shop for, you know, several years at times, you know, depending on the piece of wood. Because there is a lot. I mean, if you look where that plugs into the actual, like, base of the guitar. Oh, yeah. The I heel, mean, there is yeah. a lot of... A lot of wood you're cutting off of that neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're cutting... You're cutting probably percentage-wise. Over half, huh? Yeah, over half, because I start out at three and a quarter wide so I can get my headstock out of it. But, I I mean, I cut the width of the neck at the narrowest part is an inch and three-quarter. And that's like a big old, like, four-by-four block when you get it. Yeah, I'll cut them to three and a quarter by one inch, and then I'll build up my block at the bottom and i'll glue i'll cut the scarf joint and so at that bottom part are you gluing that together there's a few pieces okay depending on the guitar on the really high-end guitars you use a one piece one solid piece but i have a problem with that because people kind of equate a one piece neck with uh with with quality Uh uh-huh that's not necessarily you know the case um the oh, Gibson is notorious for having broken headstocks. Okay. Okay. And, and it, basically, it has to do with the grain direction. Okay. If I cut a piece and I have that that head plate that is angled back at about fifteen degrees or thirteen degrees, you does know, that angle make a difference in sound? Um. Sure. Sure. Okay. Everything will. But can we hear it? I don't know. Yeah. You know? But what it does do is it makes a difference in the strength. Okay, because if it's a one piece and I've got that angled neck going back, then my grain lines are really short. Whereas if I cut that on a scarf joint and then have a piece of uh, of wood that's following the grain on that back angle, that 15 degree angle, uh-huh. then I retain all the strength of the wood that it has to offer. 
It's much stronger. So there's actually a glue joint from here to just under the fretboard. Okay. Uh, where I cut it and then leaned it back, glued, turned it over and leaned it back. Do you put any type of dowel or anything in there, or is it just no, straight glue? not on that. But in the neck itself, right down the center of the neck, is a, is a metal truss rod. Okay. That's adjustable that I can put angle. Um, so, so you can counteract the tension of the strings. I gotcha. Yeah. And what type of glue are you using? So I use tight bond on just about everything. There's a few okay. different kinds of Okay, so like the I green use. label? No, uh, that's the three. Yeah. And um, I can, actually, I could use all three. You got type on one, two, and three. If it's a serviceable joint, like a neck, because maybe in the lifetime of a guitar, if it wasn't taken care of well, you may need to do a re neck reset in 25 or 30 years. Yeah. Okay. Meaning I got to pull that neck off and. And that green, everything. the number three it's is not, not coming, coming off. Coming off. Yeah. No. So I use that for one. everything. <laughs> yeah, I use, I use type bond one for anything. A fretboard. You may have to replace a fretboard at some point. Uh -huh. The bridge, I'll glue that on with type bond one. Everything else, I'll pretty much use type bond two. Okay. Um, I'm about to go start practicing with uh, three on only one thing. If you bend your binding and you're putting a, a decorative purfling in there, like maybe a maple strip inside the binding, and you want to bend it after you glued that on, uh -huh. then you could do that and, and still heat and bend it without it coming apart. Okay. And so, so I'm, I'm going to play with that and just see if I if I like it, you know, because it's a pain. Sometimes you do purfling and you've got, you know, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pieces of wood that you're all trying to, you know, tape in there and uh -huh. get, get attached in there. And it, it add, can be add bends. Yeah, yeah, bending it around <laughs> the, the 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 perimeter of the guitar, and, and that that can be a little sketchy because you only have so much open working time with the glue. Yeah, right. And so you're dealing with all those little purfling pieces. So if I can glue them all first, then bend it without it coming apart, you know, I, I want to experiment with that. I haven't done it yet. But yeah, a lot of builders or, or traditionalists like to use hide glue, and it'll make a difference in the sound, you know. Um, but I think the modern PVAs are, are absolutely adequate, and if you do it right, yeah, I love I love the type bond. I only yeah. use the green stuff, no matter what I'm doing. The three, yep, yep. And I mean, you you can try to take take whatever you glued together with a chisel. Oh, yeah. It is going to rip that wood apart before yeah, it rips. Absolutely. It. Well, and even type bond one, uh huh, is stronger than the wood itself. If you yeah. get a good clean joint and the, it's matched up well, and it was a good joint from the beginning. And you go break a piece of wood, it's not going to break on the glue joint. It's going to break next to it or, yeah. you know, on the grain. And so, so you know, any one of them is going to be adequate. You know? I don't like the Gorilla Glue. I always Ooh, had a problem yeah. with it. It, like, expands and yeah, the leaks foam. out. And it just and, stains your hands yeah. forever. And, yeah, it's just horrible stuff. But it's it's just, I don't know. It's good for the purposes I guess you'd need it for, but uh, you're yeah. not going to use it on guitar building for sure. Yeah, I don't know what you'd use. Yeah, I don't either. I tried it. <laughs> I experimented with it 20 years ago and, and yeah. was not impressed at all. I know their tape's good, but <laughs> right. the glue is messy as hell. Throw this in here. Sorry. Just wanted to put that away real quick. Well, man, thanks for coming out. Where oh, can man, everybody check honor. out your guitars? So, um, 
raskguitars.com is, you got a is Facebook, my Instagram. Uh, Facebook, Instagram. If you just search Rask Guitars, you'll find it on Facebook and Instagram. I think I just, uh, well, we got a, I just started a TikTok. Oh, on YouTube. Okay. Actually, YouTube is great because I, I haven't really built that yet, but there's some really good videos on there. On how to build guitars? Uh, I do some tips, yeah. Okay. I, I do some tips on, on, on building tips. I haven't done the whole process. I'm at, I am filming some of it right now, though. I think I'm going to start doing more of that. Um, but I, I have some some uh, some cool things. We we built a guitar for Edwin McCain. Okay. And, and it, it's it's kind of funny because um, everybody knows his song, whether you know his name or not. <laughs> everybody knows his song. He's got a song called Albie, and you know if you heard it, you'd know it. And we built a guitar for him. That was really really fun. So we're we're gonna release a video of taking that guitar to him in South Carolina. Uh, that'll be coming out pretty quick. We got a video from the, the day we dropped off the this guitar, the Sleeper, at the Nashville studio. Uh huh. Did you drive it cool. down there? We flew. We flew. Okay. And, and um, yeah. And so so there's some fun videos on there. There's some really good. We've got a thing called Rask Radio. Um, we're kind of getting a slow trickle start on that, but we're gonna focus on that more going forward like a podcast or it's no what it is rask radio is literally like a short music video um uh, you know like when we went to to uh nashville we had one day that we cut out uh, you know for people just high quality musicians guys that really know their stuff and we had them come in we let them uh, we, we had them do a review, kind of a blind taste test, if you will, you know, like literally come in, tell us who you are, and then we'd hand them a guitar and say, vocalize your thoughts. Okay. And let them play it and, and look at it and tell us what they thought about it. So we'd get some review footage, but then we'd say, okay, now out of the ones you saw, pick one and you get to perform a song. And we made them a music video. Okay. And it was really cool. It was really cool. So so we want to really start focusing on that and doing a lot more of those Rask Radio videos. Yeah, that's cool. Because you're getting new music, and, uh, and, and man, some of those musicians are just phenomenal, you know, and it's, so it's really fascinating. But we'll mic them up and, do, you know, kind of do it right. You know? Do you have, like, a little studio at your place? Or? I, I'm about to, yeah. Okay. You know, so, so I'm, in a, I'm in a small um, commercial flex space, you know, it's a small office and, you know, and then, and then mostly shop, you know. But instead of using, I don't need an office. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need a desk. So that little office that you walk into, we're in the mo- process of remodeling it to make it a little, um, just a hangout. You know, guitars hanging on the wall, cool lighting, um, a couple of stools. So you can literally, if somebody comes in and they're freaking awesome on the guitar, we can say, hold on and hit record and, and, and make a music video right there. And so, so we will have that up and running in the next couple of months, but you know. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. No, that's it's cool to see all the different bands and stuff. Oh yeah, you know it's so fun. I I love it. I mean, it's always a joy to see somebody playing and enjoying one of my instruments. That's yeah. such an honor. It's such a a privilege to be able to hear that, and and you know it's just so awesome. But then every once in a while, maybe one out of ten guys comes in and they just blow your mind. Yeah. And, and, I mean, I get emotional. I mean, I'll, I'll sit there and watch them, and I'm watching the emotion that they're putting into the into their playing and the sound that's coming out of that guitar. 
And and every time it makes me, I, I find one of those guys, it makes me fall in love with that instrument even more. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> Harder like, to get over. Oh, gosh, get rid it's of so it, huh? cool. It's so cool. It's just so fun, you know. But have you ever been to the Pie Pizzeria? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that place is cool. I mean, they got yeah. the, they always have Live acoustic music. Yeah. music. Yeah, you know, I need to I need to start doing that. I, I've taken and lent out guitars to musicians that are recording, you know, albums or they're recording or doing a performance. But, but um, yeah, I'd like to get them into more local musicians' hands for sure. Yeah, no, that place is really cool. I mean, they let you write all over the walls yeah, and stuff. It's got that's, a real that's, cool that's, vibe. It's got a great vibe. What I is your guitar you. like? The one that for me, yours, yeah, yours. Uh, <laughs> Does your wife have one too? No, she doesn't play. Uh, although you know, I was kind of excited. My wife is like, you know, many people who, who, I build a guitar and I'll spend you know three months building it and get all this love and I'm all excited about it and I'll come home and hey check this one out. She's like, yeah, it looks just like the last one you made. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, come on, give me, throw me a bone here, you know? Yeah. But but there's there's been two guitars where she's went uh, where where she saw it and then went, uh, okay, I like that one. That one's different. That yeah. was really beautiful. I'm like, well, they're all different. They're all different wood, you know. <laughs> but but uh, so when I impress her, that's like that's like I've done something good. That you know? one that one gets a <laughs> yeah. gets a little jack in the price right away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. So, but she doesn't play or anything. And, and as far as a guitar for me, um, I haven't picked one out. No? I, well, no. Okay, Edie. That's the name of the guitar. The first one I ever made. Okay. And I've had people offer me a lot of money for that one. And it sounds amazing and it looks horrible. I mean, it <laughs> really does. I mean, I, I didn't I did the finish on it. I did a rub on True Oil and it looks rough. I mean, the the finish. It's it's a, it's a decent looking guitar. You can definitely see the amateurish mistakes that I made, you know, being a first guitar, especially if you look close, but the sound on that thing is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's just unreal, you know. Um, I've had several people play it and be like, this is the best sounding guitar I've ever heard. Uh-huh. You know, I, just mind-boggling to me. I, I'm just blown away that that's even Might have, like, a different sound, huh? Because you, like, didn't really know what you are doing the I, first time, so I, it's... You know, I, uh, yeah. I, you didn't I have, like, what the, happened. the perfection set like right right but it's it, just it came unique out, and personally there's other guitars i mean i really like the sound of this orange one uh-huh. the black and orange but um yeah no that one yeah, sounds really good that, so that first one i'll never sell because it's the first yeah and so i guess you could consider it my guitar um but it's not the one that i like to play you know i i, I kind of play them all sometimes i build a smaller neck for smaller handed people I got big fat sausage fingers, so I, I need a wider <laughs> neck. And so sometimes, you know, and on that neck, it's it's funny because it got thinner than I wanted it to be, and that was strictly because I had to sand more to, uh, to hide to mistakes, make it match. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to to make it work. And so I was even worried about it, and it turns out it was great, and it worked out, and I can still play it, but. But I don't enjoy playing it as much because it's a little hard for me with the strings. But there are people with smaller hands that absolutely, it's like the best feeling neck they've ever played, you know. And so, so you know, it's just kind of each has their own uh, their preferences, I guess. Um, so I don't consider that one, like, 
my guitar uh-huh. because because I don't play it well. Yeah, I, I feel more comfortable on other guitars, but I haven't taken the time to make me one, and and I don't know that I ever will. I built one, the like it was like number five, and um, oh, I had problems with it all the way through. I had cracked top, <laughs> I had to replace. I mean, you know, and it took me two years to build it just because I spent. It gets set aside, you know, I'd have yeah. a problem with it. And so it was like the problem child. But then when it finally got finished, wow, the tone on that one. Probably my favorite of them all. And I had intended to keep that one as my own personal guitar. Uh, but it's turned into a loner. Okay. It's like when I when when, um, when somebody wants to record with it, that's the one I end up sending out or something. And, you know, it's it's not perfect, so I wouldn't sell it. Because, you know, I had some repairs that I had to do along the way. Yeah. So I wouldn't sell it. But, wow, the tone on it's great. So so if somebody wants to just record with it, great. Phenomenal for that, you know. So I guess that's the closest to mine. But you can't even, like, just, like, I want this wood and this wood. Because, like you're saying, it's, like, the wood doesn't necessarily make that sound. Like, it's it's, it's, it's a lot. It colors it toward it, but there's a lot more that goes into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, instead of making yourself one specific you might just find one that you don't want to part with that could happen i I think was i think i'm satiated by playing whatever i have at the time okay and so i don't feel like i really need to own one that's made for me um i want to build guitars i really want to get them into the hands of people and then the thing that's driving me is the creative factor of it so so it's it's new concepts it's you know i just bought a bunch of wenge and lacewood or leopard wood um stuff looks amazing together you know i'm building one i I was up for two nights i couldn't sleep because i couldn't stop my brain i couldn't shut it off because i had all (laughs) these ideas of inlays and and things you know and so when i get excited about a build like that that's what I'm focused on. I, you know, I, I like to play them all, but I don't think I'll ever build one for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy when they get to a new home. That's like the. That's like the the. A lot of people. How could you spend that much time and then send it off and be done? Yeah. Right? And I get that question a lot. It's like, how could I hold on to it? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> eventually well, one, you're going to have money. a lot of guitars. <laughs> right, right. One, I need the money. And, you know, but, but, but more importantly, like the most rewarding part of the entire process is sending it to its new home. Yeah. And when you get somebody who is, loves it as much, so much that they're willing to spend six, eight, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 on a guitar. What an honor that is to be able to to send that off to that new home. Do you make everybody, well, not like make, but uh, do you request that everybody that buys a guitar maybe send you a video of them playing? No. um, I I love it when people do like reviews and stuff. And if they want to use it for something, of course, you know, I, I try to request, hey, if you ever record with it, let me know what songs. So when you release your songs... I, I can put them on a, a recorded with Rask playlist. Yeah. You know, and I try to collect that. Um, and Do you have one of those on Spotify right I now? I haven't released it. I've been collecting. I only have a few. I have a lot more songs that have been recorded but not released on, on um, Spotify. Okay. So, like, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube. There's a bunch of stuff uh, that, that have been recorded but ne- not necessarily released 
Yeah. You know, uh, so so it's growing. And as it grows, once it gets a little bigger and we start to get more artists that are using those guitars to uh, record with, then, yeah, the idea is to create a, a playlist of recorded with Rask. And uh, it's so fun to listen to that. I mean. Well, man, I mean, you've been at it like full time for a year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, it seems like you're on your way. I I think so, you know. I mean, we we definitely uh, we could always use more orders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, no. All kidding aside, I mean, I I feel really grateful. It's I, great I'm, to find something that you love to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found my calling, my passion, my why, whatever you want to call it, and uh, and and my goodness, it's just the most fulfilled I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, I mean, just truly, you know. And so, so uh, it, it's fun to work with musicians and you know i mean going out and meeting edwin mccain that was just cool you know sitting with him in the studio and watching him play this guitar that i'd spent you know months building and yeah i mean and then to hear his touch on that guitar and hear the sound that he's bringing out of it and then to hear him sing and then to hear him sing that his popular songs you know and man it was it was i got emotional you know and what a cool i mean who gets to experience that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, what a blessing that is, you know. I just, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. No, I had uh, my favorite band on the podcast. It was kind of a disaster, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, funny. it was cool, you know. That's it's the only cool. one I've actually listened to. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, the guitars thanks. look amazing. I appreciate it. And yeah. uh, Rask, that's R-A-S-K. That's right, yep, yep. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to plug? No, man, I, that's it. You know, if you've got anybody that, that's a guitar player, I'm always open for, for people coming in, whether you think you can afford a Rask or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, come in and be a part of the freaking cause, man. We're, yeah. We're, we're changing the world with music, and so so come, come you know, check out the shop and and experience try a guitar um well like if you can you know. shred that's good publicity oh, no yeah, matter absolutely. what no? we may do a little facebook live or something if you're good yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah man i know i appreciate you having me on it's been i fun. appreciate you coming out man you got some talented looking equipment there thank so. you thank you well thank you guys for listening go check out rask guitars and uh stay tuned for the next episode we'll see you then